Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio version of my show, Rebel Roundup, where we cover the hottest Rebel stories of the week. Today, my guests are Kian Bexty and Sheila Gunn-Reed. If you like the podcast, then you should become a premium content subscriber. That gets you access to the video version of my show, as well as shows from Ezra Levant and Sheila Gunn-Reed. It's only $8 a month to subscribe. And as a special bonus for you, we're offering a 10% discount if you use the coupon code PODCAST. Just go to therebel.media slash shows to become a member. Thanks for listening, and now enjoy the show. You are listening to a Rebel Media Podcast. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, most Torontonians are celebrating the arrival of a Chick-fil-A to their city, but not everyone is happy. Ian Bexty will explain why some members of the LGBT community were protesting during the grand opening of this fast food restaurant last week. And from chicken to turkey, recently some animal rights activists, oh, and they're always such jolly people, aren't they? Well, they actually trespassed onto an Alberta turkey farm and broke into the turkey coop. When police showed up, were they charged? Nope. They were actually rewarded. Sheila Gunn-Reed has all the unbelievable details. And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding an individual I met in Washington, D.C., Scott Pressler, who openly advertises the fact that he's both gay and a Trump supporter, something that drives many on the left cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and hey, you gotta love that. Those are your Rebels, now let's round them up. Hi, why are you here today? Uh, just to make sure that people know what their money is going towards and that they shouldn't be supporting things that are discriminating against um, LGBTQ plus people. Really good. Will the gay agenda ever recover from this Chick-fil-A opening? This chicken restaurant has been open for about 20 minutes now. Many people have walked in. Do you think that the gay agenda will ever recover from this blow? <laughs> um, girl, seriously? This blow, um, so this was actually just like a thing that we want to try and shut down. The gay agenda has nothing to recover from, you know, like we're doing fine. Chick-fil-A has to get the hell out of Toronto. Uh, I don't think there's any such thing as a gay agenda and I don't think that it's been hurt any. You're protesting. Yes. It's, it's unusual for the, the old white men to be on this side of the protest. Not usually, not if you've got any morals. It's been open for 20 minutes. And they've sold tens of chicken sandwiches. Do you think that the LGBT community will ever be able to recover from this? Um, I hope we can. Like, God knows we're going to fight for it. Hey, who knew that a fast food chicken restaurant could turn out to be such a political hot potato? Chick-fil-A opened its first Toronto franchise recently, and fans were literally lined up around the block, some waiting for several hours to have a chicken sandwich. But in addition to the boosters, along came the Chick-fil-A haters. But their actions sure didn't seem to hurt sales, though. Joining us now is our roving reporter, Kian Bexty, 
who took in the deep-fried drama at Young and Bluer. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Kian. Hey, David. So, Kian, in addition to the du rigueur loons of PETA, many of the other protesters were from the LGBT, etc. community. Uh, what exactly is their beef with this chicken joint? They are upset that uh, people hold religious convictions. Um, the LGBT community was very upset that the CEO and the ownership of Chick-fil-A donates to Christian causes, um, some of which obviously aren't in line with the LGBT agenda, um, as is as are most um, religions, to be honest. Uh, so the LGBT community was, was upset that Chick-fil-A was opening. They didn't seem to care. Um, the LGBT community was upset it was opening. The, the, the vegans and everyone else that was protesting, however, uh, they were upset that the, the establishment sold meat, although they, they didn't seem to care much about the McDonald's that was just down the street. I think they just got caught up in the hype and the hysteria. Yeah, I think PETA are ever the opportunist, Kian, and there were no cameras set up at the McDonald's down the street, uh, but there were plenty of cameras and, uh, you know, they're, they're wonderful drama queens over there, so I, I, I know that's their agenda. But in the bigger picture, okay, look, say I'm a vegetarian or a vegan or a member of the LGBT community that doesn't agree with the founders' politics, uh, why can't it be that I just have my own personal boycott? Look, I don't like this place for what they're serving, for what this guy uh, stands for politically. Um, if I want a chicken sandwich, I'll go to uh, KFC or Popeyes. Why does it have to be, we want you to shut down and get out of this city and never come back here again? Why does it have to be such an extremist position? Well, because it's not really about Chick-fil-A, David. It's about these egomaniacs and their <laughs> desire for attention. I, I mean, I mean seriously. If you look critically at what they've done, they they've created by, by their own doing my video and a bunch of other videos from uh, uh, Toronto blogs and, and whatnot that have been seen millions of times all together in aggregate millions of times. The the ad revenue, or sorry, the 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 cost in advertising that Chick Fil A would have had to have spent to have gotten this advertising is astronomical. So these, these folks, they, if, if you really look at what they've done, it hasn't been hurting Chick-fil-A, and they must know that. They must be intelligent enough to know that. So really, it can't be about Chick-fil-A. It's just they are valuing their, their overwhelming desire to be seen and heard by media to virtue signal that they really just care more about themselves than they care about how Chick-fil-A uh, turns out in the long run or, or, or how successful the business is. It's not about Chick-fil-A, it's about them. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And um, further to that point, uh, Keen, it should be noted that uh, this is the first Chick-fil-A in Toronto, but it's not the, Chick the first Chick-fil-A in Canada in the Calgary airport. There is a Chick-fil-A franchise there, and I'm just wondering um, why that never drew the wrath of the usual suspects. Is it maybe because uh, an airport being private property, uh, different rules of engagement, or are people in Calgary more accepting of this sort of a restaurant? Well, i, I got to uh, correct you there, David. It's not the Calgary airport. It's, we, we like to call it the Harper International Airport. Um, <laughs> and yes, there was Chick-fil-A there. 
And um, the reason I suspect there was no protest there is because the folks in Calgary are not prone to protesting unless it has to do with their jobs. Gotcha. Well, Ken, we're having a, a, a little bit of technical difficulties with the transmission, so we're going to have to wrap here. But before I go, when it comes to the actual quality of what's on the menu at Chick-fil-A, that famous sandwich out of there, I know you went in and you, you had lunch. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, what do you rate the Chick-fil-A product? Oh, it was an 11. And it wasn't even the chicken that I loved. It was the sweet tea. <laughs> the sweet tea was delicious. Fantastic. And that's what it's all about. It's what's on the plate. And if it's priced right, uh, even if people might agree with the protesters' uh, philosophy, uh, somebody, p- people generally like a good meal at a good price. And that, in my experience, is what Chick-fil-A serves up. Kian, thank you so much. It was a great report. And uh, kudos to you for that uh, uh, tuxedo ensemble. I think you get the award for Best Dress Rebel of 2019. <laughs> so thanks again, and you have a good weekend, my friend. All right. Thanks, David. You too. You got it. And keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. On the early hours of Labor Day, animal rights activists came on a school bus and broke into one of the turkey barns and staged a sit-in. The RCMP were called, as we'll find out, by the protesters claiming they needed protection from our pacifist Hutterite friends. And after a very long sit-in, hours long, the police involved negotiated the theft, I'll call it a theft, of five turkeys. The protesters were given five turkeys to leave the farm and go. And as you'll find out, some of the other media coverage of what happened here was part of the extortion demands of the farm invaders. No folks, you are not hallucinating. A group of invaders trespass on private property. Then they break into a turkey coop, potentially infecting turkeys with disease. And then when law enforcement is called, with the call being placed by the criminals, I hasten to add, not only do these hooligans get off scot-free, but they're actually rewarded with five turkeys for all their trouble. I know it sounds like the introduction to a Twilight Zone episode set in an alternative universe. In fact, I think the only thing missing here is a cigarette-smoking Rod Serling in the corner narrating. Joining me now with more on a story that is equal parts bizarre and infuriating is the host of The Gun Show, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thank you. And, you know, Sheila, uh, I mean, I just couldn't believe that report. You know, I have a real hankering right now for that new all, you know, the all-new mid-engine Corvette Stingray. Of course, I can't afford to buy one, Sheila, so maybe what I need to do is break into a Chevy dealership, occupy the car, call the cops on myself, and perhaps after law enforcement negotiates with the dealership principal, I'll be allowed to drive off the lot with a new set of wheels. Is this the new abnormal in terms of dealing with protesters, or, Sheila, is there now different rules for different types of criminals? You know, isn't that the truth? Um, We see this sort of stuff replicated in pipeline protests. Um, They show up, they trespass, they, 
in the case of Camp Cloud in British Columbia, they built this Tower of Babylon in the ditch all the way up to the power lines. Um, and it should have been cleared away just like any other garbage left in the ditch. But people were allowed to live there and decide who even used that road. Um, and so they got away with it. Why wouldn't the animal rights activists get away with the same sort of thing? Trespass, um, staging a sit-in, and then basically extortion and then delivering stolen property to a so-called animal sanctuary. What ethical animal sanctuary would take five stolen turkeys, by the way? I've got some serious questions for those guys if I could ever figure out where they took those turkeys to. Uh, one of the things that didn't it didn't happen on camera, and I wish it had in my story. The Just as a testament to just really how dumb these animal rights activists were, um, the Hutterite farmers were showing me the barn where the turkeys used to be because one of the most beautiful parts of the story is the very next day, several thousand turkeys from that barn were shipped off to slaughter. So, <laughs> I mean, that sort of made me happy that, that you know, the animal rights activists didn't win that one. But... Um, they're showing me, I asked, you know, how did these guys get into the barn? And they point out this gate they opened and then they crawled through the door, the little turkey door, because the turkeys are free range. They have access to inside and outside. And then the farmer goes, yeah, but the big doors, like the big man doors, those were locked. So they could just walk right in. So these, uh, protesters crawled in like the turkeys they are in the dirt, in the manure, to get inside this barn when they could have just, you know, opened the door like a normal person. You know, how awesome would it be, Sheila, if there was an overweight protester that got stuck Winnie the Pooh style in that little turkey door? <laughs> but I can, I can only dream about that. But I want to get back to, and this is really infuriating me, it, it's... I'm trying to understand, Sheila, the unspoken strategy of the RCMP. You have invaders on your property. They've trespassed. They're going into a, an area that's supposed to be quarantined from the public. Um, they're clearly in the wrong. You have the rule of law on your side. They should have been handcuffed and escorted off the premises and charged. And yet there's this idea that we're going to negotiate and give them a, a going away gift. I mean. Is it all about that the RCMP, uh, maybe they're being ordered by their superiors, don't give any kind of optics for the media of, you know, um, screaming protesters making a fuss as they're dragged away? You know, that, that, that's, that's worse than, you know, doing this negotiation. Because otherwise, Sheila, I can't figure out what's going on here. Well, and what are the optics of not upholding the law? Yeah. Why do farmers and um, landowners, pipeline owners, why do they have to put up with this perpetual harassment so that the RCMP can avoid some sort of uh, public relations uncomfortableness um, in the media to a media that doesn't understand um, that it's dangerous for these radical idiots to be trespassing in these locations. Um, if you look in my, in my video, I didn't go inside the active turkey barns yeah. because I don't, uh, it's a biosecure facility, and those signs are everywhere. They're on every single door into the barns. They're at the, like the outset of the property on the road that comes in. It's very important to keep the turkeys safe from the contamination people can bring in on their boots and on their clothes, especially these animal rights protests. We don't know 
what other farms they've been protesting at. So if they've been at a hog facility where they've been exposed to swine flu and then they come onto this turkey facility, they could have jeopardized the health and welfare of, I think it was some 30,000 turkeys there. Um, it, it's just really irresponsible, but it shows the level of um, irresponsibility of these uh, animal rights activists in that they don't even understand what it takes to be a modern farmer and and the care that they take um, in their animals to protect their animals health because healthy animals just taste better. Mm. And, and indeed, Sheila, and they have, as you said, they have no idea about animal husbandry. They're completely ignorant to that. But how perversely ironic would it have been had they introduced some kind of pathogen that wiped out that flock, that would go completely contrary to their, um, you know, crusade of saving the turkeys. And they never thought that through, did they? Well, and what would happen if they wiped out that flock? So then the Hutterite colony is devastated. They've lost their flock. Um, but what kind of media relations disaster would that have been for the RCMP that they let this go on for so long, long enough to endanger the health and welfare of the flock? The protesters were there for six to six and a half hours. I know. That's a hell of a long time to be interviewing these people, get their names. Uh, if you don't want to put your boots in their back while they're there because there's only five cops or six cops or however many there were that day. I think it was five to six. Go to their homes later and pick them up. Yeah. Throw them in the paddy wagon, whatever it takes. You had long enough to find out who they were. Now the cops are chasing them down. I, I guess, I suppose. I, I spoke to the colony yesterday. No charges have come down yet. And I still don't know why. Sheila, tell us too, um, when it comes to, I mean, I think a lot of people might not be familiar uh, with the Hutterites. Um, you are, of course. Tell us yep. about the Hutterite community in Alberta and tell us why they might have been targeted for this protest in the first place. So our Hutterites in Alberta, we have 20, some 20,000 of them spread across, um, you know, dozens and dozens of colonies across the province. They're primarily a, a fixture on the prairies. Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba have them. They're a Christian sect. They're Anabaptists. Um, so a lot like the Mennonites or the Amish, if people are in the East and familiar with them. But they live communally because they believe they own all things in common. But that's where their communal tendencies end. They are free enterprisers. Most colonies have businesses. Uh, I've bought sheds and, you know, like small buildings from one of the colonies that builds buildings near me. I do uh, buy a lot of my produce, even my turkeys at the colony up the road from me. And they're pacifist by nature. They don't serve in the military. Some colonies don't vote. Um, and I know for myself and some other Hutterites that I've spoken to that I know quite well, uh, they think that this colony was targeted because they were pacifists, because these protesters wouldn't get the resistance they might get out of a farmer like me. And to be honest with you, Fort McLeod, beautiful place. It's near the foothills. It's by head smashed in Buffalo Jump, if anybody wants to look that up on a map. But it's two hours south of Calgary. There are a dozen easily large-scale commercial farms along Highway 2 south of Calgary that these protesters could have stopped at. Instead, they stopped at a small poultry operation owned and operated by the Hutterites. And for me, I think there's only one reason why they did that. Now, the farmers, on the other hand, uh, that I 
the Hutterite farmers who own Jumbo Valley Colony, they said, you know, maybe it's not that sinister. Maybe they're just lazy because we're right off the highway. But like I said, there's so many commercial farming operations, a lot of larger scale cattle operations, dairy operations. They could have stopped at, but they didn't. They went two hours outside of Calgary to basically the middle of nowhere to harass some Hutterites. And I think there's a reason for that. I think you're right too, Sheila. And I, I think the reason is, uh, in not so many words, they're bullies. The, as you said, these yep. Hutterites are pacifists. The two gentlemen you spoke to on camera, talk about grace under pressure, grace under yep. stress. I would have been seething if I was the farmer and that had happened to my land, both at the protesters and law enforcement, I might add. Yep. So th this is just a terrible story. And I hope you're right. Um, I hope in the days ahead, law enforcement does the right thing and at least tresses, uh, ch charges these people uh, for trespassing. And they should be charged for a heck of a lot more than that. Sheila, a, a wonderful report as always. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, David. Have a great weekend. You too, my friend. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed in Alberta. I keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Okay, so Scott, as I mentioned, I saw your um, signage. I'm gay, Trump 2020, Democrats don't own me. Now, Scott, first of all, what prompted you to um, advertise your uh, political and sexual affiliation in the first place? Well, I want to show that I am a loud and proud Trump supporter. I'm so tired of people being silenced, intimidated, bullied into not expressing themselves. So here I am with my Trump shirt. Here I am with my Trump computer. And, you know, part of the reason some people say, why do you have to say that you're gay? Well, minorities usually vote Democrat, right? If you're black, you have to vote Democrat. If you're gay, you have to vote Democrat. And simply by being here, simply by showing I'm a gay Trump supporter, I'm totally destroying that narrative. I'm destroying that box that the Democrats like to put all minority groups into. And I'm showing other gay people, you don't have to vote Democrat. You don't have to vote simply Democrat because of your sexuality. And Scott, I have to ask, what has been the reactions uh, to your signage, both good and bad? Well, I'll tell you, just here now, I've been here for about an hour, I had four different men come up to me and say, oh, I love your laptop, can I take a picture of you? And so to every single person, of course, I asked, are you registered to vote at your current address? But I want to make it very clear, here are these men coming up to me who I presume are straight, here I am a gay Trump supporter, there was no homophobia, there was no hate, I was embraced, I was welcomed with open arms and open hearts. Well, you just never know who you're going to bump into at Ronald Reagan Airport in Washington, D.C. And recently I had the pleasure of bumping into Scott Presler, who has no trouble proclaiming his sexual orientation and political affiliation via his apparel and the signage on his laptop. Hey, ain't the First Amendment just the greatest? In any event, here's what you had to say about a person who is simply not supposed to vote Republican. Well, according to the so-called progressives, Clarissa Lee writes, I like this guy. It's not a crime to have an opinion. Good. Oh, but that's the thing, isn't it, Clarissa? We're living in a day and age in which it is indeed a crime to have an opinion. Old social media posts have resulted in people getting fired and not a week goes by in which pundits uttering politically incorrect opinions are deplatformed. 
The left loves diversity, but not diversity of thought. So Scott Pressler must make many of those go bonkers because given his sexual orientation, he should be a true blue Democrat, but he's not. And there are many others just like Scott who aren't either. How refreshing to see them coming out of the closet. Jerry L writes, this guy must have found out that Republicans are more accepting to him being himself than Democrats. I'm sure he's been called every name in the book by Democrats. Well, you know, I asked him about that, Jerry, and indeed he has been called every name. How's that for the so-called oh-so-tolerant left? Bob Jacobson writes, this guy would make a poor Democrat anyway. He is smart, articulate, courageous, and thinks for himself. Couldn't have said it any better than that, Bob. Andrew W. writes, I'm gay and the leftists are absolutely nuts. But we are a minority in the community, sadly. A great example about what's happening, the Eurovision contest had a gay group from Iceland. The competition was held in Israel. This group made a big deal about supporting Palestine and the gays supported them big time. Weeks later, Palestine authorities banned gay groups. I spoke out about the hypocrisy. The community was angry at me. They can't see anything real. It's absolutely nuts. Keep up the good work, Rebel. Well, thanks for your kind words, Andrew. And yes, I agree. This is an example of self-defeating leftist lunacy. The only country in the Middle East that allows gay pride parades is Israel. And yet the left continue to vilify Israel and try to economically cripple this state with the pathetic BDS movement. Yeah, it sure makes sense to me. And World of Warships, BGRF, writes, As someone who is gay and is a Republican, I agree with him on everything. The left have lost their minds and need reform ASAP. Oh, me thinks that reform is going to come in 2020 when the Democrats lose yet again to Trump. Surely then they will come to the realization that there's not a critical mass of Americans that buy into an agenda that's heavy on socialism and censorship and identity politics. And finally, 6ND Foo9 writes, okay, let me get this straight. The rebel media guy carries his mic wherever he goes, even to an airport. It's a good interview, but seems a little set up. Well, my friend, I do carry my camera and mic everywhere I go. Be prepared, isn't that what the Boy Scouts taught us? And there was nothing set up about this interview. I was simply waiting for a flight back to Toronto when I noticed the, that sign on Scott's laptop, and I knew I just had to talk with him, and I'm so glad that I did. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.